دایی یه فرصت خوب حالا پشت مدافع خدا داد عزیزی توی دروازه گل گل برای ایران خدا داد عزیزی پاس هم روی زمین گشت سرداراز بود به توی دروازه سرداراز بود گل به نماز بود به برای ایران بزنه کریم ازداری فرد گل توی هرموزه کریم ازداری فرد درموزه پرتبال باش علی دایی صاحبه تو توی درموزه ازداری یه شباه حرکت کوچان نجات فرصه بره کوچان نجات توی درموزه گل برای ایران Hello guys and Welcome back to Gobazan Podcast. My name is Arya Alaverdi. Today we're going to do an analysis of Iran against England, the game that finished 6-2. Today I'm joined by Pejman Pars and Sahan Sadari. How are you doing, guys? Hi, Arya. Nice to be back on the pod and uh, seeing you guys on video. I like it. Yeah, thanks for having me back on. Perfect. Uh, we're also going to preview... the Iran against Wales game, which will be on Friday. We'll come to that later. Guys, obviously, a uh, disappointing result uh, for Iran. Big time. You know, we weren't expecting it to be this high of a scoreline uh, in terms of the goals. Uh, as I said, it was 6-2 to, to, to England. Uh, goals coming from a bunch of players. Uh, let's go through it. So, Bellingham scored first. Saka scored. Sterling scored uh, third third goal. Saka got the fourth, Rashford, and then Grealish, and then Tarami got two goals, one of them from a penalty spot. Guys, I want to get your immediate thoughts then on this match. Sahand, um, what do you make of it? I think in general, I mean, from the from the lineup, I think it was already surprising to a lot of us. Um, you know, I don't think a lot of us had a good thought about the lineup that was put out changing so much. I mean, I think even the commentators who... hadn't really been closely following our team were shocked that there were like multiple players included who didn't play a minute of the qualification. Um, so I think already, you know, we were in a kind of difficult situation um, just with the personnel we had on the field. And then the game itself, I think that we just didn't give them anything to think about um, initially. And as soon as they saw that we were playing basically the five back, I mean, you could even see Southgate, motion to the uh, once Bayram man had the injury he brought a couple players to the side and he said they're playing five so just you know like go for it basically but nothing's happening up there um and so i think we made it really easy for them and then the difference in class was just you know it was obvious uh, i think maybe our expectations were a little bit higher um because we've had good results against big teams in the past couple world cups i think you can say yeah argentina spain portugal But I don't think that any of those teams um, have this, first of all, uh, the level that this England team has, but especially the combination of, you know, technicality, speed, and physicality. I think in those games against Argentina and Spain and Portugal, we were able to actually impose ourselves physically quite a bit on those teams um, and close the gap on the field in that way. But in this game, we were, I think, almost all the aerial balls we lost, duels we lost, um, uh, kind of any uh, recovery runs, we were not even close. And then technically, of course, they're superior. Um, so I think 
that was my main takeaway from the technical part. And then from the mental side of things, I think the team looked lost, you know, like they had already lost when they came onto the field. And I think that that kind of ideas that we had, how much is the outside noise going to affect the team? And how much is the situation off the field going to affect the team? And some of us, I mean, I said that I could see K Roche, you know, being able to control that and use that as a motivator. I don't, th I think it, the situation went so far beyond his control that he couldn't do anything about it. And he said that after he said, it's not, it, it's not possible that for a human being to be under this sort of kind of bizarre pressure from many sides and not just, you know, one side from many different angles and then go to your biggest game of your life and perform properly. I don't, it's not a realistic expectation. And so I think you put those factors together and you get what we got in the end today. Pejmon, you know, similar to you, I think, as Satin's mentioning, I think you make some good points there. But what do you think was the issue in this game? Other than, of course, the external stuff from a tactical standpoint, from selection perspective, what do you think were the biggest issues in this game? First of all, I think, yes, yeah, Sahan put it out there really well. So, so he kind of answered this, this question already. Um but uh, my main focus or disappointment uh, was the starting lineup. I mean, uh, first of all, Iran under Kairos or Iran in general have never played 3-5-2 or what later become, became 5-3-2. So like maybe they did, did that against Tunisia, which was behind closed doors. We don't know, but it was more or less an experiment an experiment in this stage of the uh, with the national team when you haven't really tried it against a, such a good team in in England we, we saw the results so these three in the middle uh, defenders Cheshmi uh, Majid Hosseini and Pulali Ganji had a really hard time and I don't want to blame only them but these three have never played with each, each other uh, previously. So uh, I think Kairos demanded a bit too much from them. And we saw how they they couldn't really... Uh, we saw Majid Hosseini too many times on one-on-ones uh, on the left side. Was Milad Mohammadi supposed to be there or not? It's hard to say. I didn't really see it. I mean, they had fun out there, England, because... They could do whatever they wanted to do with uh, with the Iranian defenders and the gap between the defenders and the midfield. Uh, that's something that Kairos used to be an expert on. In this game, either Southgate was too smart or the players wasn't really uh, ready to, to, to do that quite well. And I think it's both Kairos to blame for the like at least four or five players in my opinion uh, should shouldn't have started before the game now that we saw after the game i would say five to six players probably uh, should be changed to uh, for next game so i'm disappointed in Kairos for giving this uh, experimenting at this level yeah and just to add oh sorry just to add to that uh, very quickly i mean i think that um you know, for Kairos to come in and, you know, regardless of what you think of Skocic 
I mean, he was the coach during the qualification, and he made some decisions that, um, in terms of personnel, that I actually think, you know, they were the right calls. That somebody like Romina Rezoyon wasn't invited, I think that was the right call. That somebody like, um, that the center back partnership, which was before, was Magid and Puraliganji, and Skocic called both those guys, and he played Puraliganji versus Bosnia in his first game, and he was excellent. Um, but then moving forward, he settled on the Shoja Kanoni partnership. I don't think that that um, is not without reason. I think there's a reason for that. I think it's because they complement each other. They're in good form. They have weaknesses, yes. Like every player in this Iran group, maybe besides Mehdi Tarimi, has really some clear deficiencies in their game. But there was a reason that that ended up being the go-to partnership. And I think for Kairos to come in and not test these guys versus Uruguay or Senegal, it's not like Ruzbe Cheshmi played against Uruguay or Senegal. It's not like Puraliganji, besides giving an own goal against Senegal in 45 minutes, did anything. I mean, he was getting torn all over the place. Against Nicaragua, he was struggling a lot. It's clear that this player, after he tours ACL, is not the same player. His recovery speed... It's like half of the recovery speed of before. His aerial ability is nothing compared to before. So for Kairos to come and suddenly say, okay, even though Kanani played very good in for me too against Uruguay, even though I have experience playing him, even before this I've played him, he was the starter in the Asian Cup, but I'm going to come and just put in players that didn't play at all in qualification, not at all in friendlies, not at all together. That for me is a little bit, you know, damning. And I think there should be a little bit more respect, you know, given to a couple of, I mean, ultimately, Skocic had the team for some years and he came to some conclusions. And some of those, I think, are are worth, you know, for Kairos to keep and consider. And, uh, you know, there's a reason that Skocic got to that conclusion. Well, I'm at a couple of points here. And I think, I think you make great points, both of you. But I think with... With regards to the Uruguay and Senegal game, which is always a, an easy comparison because that's two of the games that we played really well in under with under Carlos Kuhl quite recently, um, he didn't seem to learn from those games in the sense that those games uh, brought a new light to the national team. He saw that his team can attack and can score and create chances against two top national teams. Uh, unfortunately. He didn't trust his players enough. He didn't put the trust in his players, and that's a big shame. I think I, f- I feel it's a bit, as you said, it's a bit dis- disrespectful to his players because they've put in a lot of uh, effort and desire to to implement a plan that you had against Uruguay, but you don't want to uh, help them to achieve that against England. Now, bear in mind. Yes, he might have played a different for a uh, style against Tunisia to combat this game against England. That may have been the case, but that's a mistake in my opinion because you've wasted that friendly. First of all, we lost the game against Tunisia, whether it was a red card or whatever it was, and second of all, that didn't work against England because the 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 successful tactic that you played against Tunisia uh, against Morocco um against Senegal and Uruguay wasn't implemented in a very important game. And that's that's coaching 101. Once something works, you don't change it. You don't change it when it works. It's ridiculous. 
How is he and not... not so drastically? You know, I mean, it's a know, drastic change. And Sandy, one of the things that I don't understand, and this is one of the things that we can we can I can speak about for 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 a long time, is how has Carlos Quiroz not ever put any real uh, trust um, in someone Gudos? Doesn't make any sense. You know, I get it. In twenty eighteen, you wanted to play defensive. You're playing against Spain and Portugal and Morocco. You wanted to have experienced players. Someone was new to the national team. I get it, but this is ridiculous now. Like someone who had an unbelievable performance against Uruguay. He's playing in the Premier League. Whether he's starting games or not, it doesn't make a difference. He's playing in a top top team who beat Man City, and you're not playing him. Even I mean, as a substitute, you know, it's ridiculous in my opinion. I would just I would just say to kind of go off your points, I don't think that any combination of players we put on the field today would get a result. I think I just want to that's my personal opinion that I don't think this team against this opponent had the personnel to get a result. That's just what I think. I think we played, but having said that, to give ourselves the best chance of having respectable performance. I think that what we showed versus Uruguay and Senegal had deficiencies. You know, we have problems in transition. If I want to look at our midfielders compared to 2018, I can tell you right now that Vahid Amiri and Omide Ebrahimi in 2018, they were domestic players, but from a fitness perspective and from a technical level, they were solid players. They were very solid players, even on the international stage. And he doesn't have that luxury right now. Is that he is overweight still? He has a recovery pace of like a snail. Ali Karimi, who's actually been getting regular minutes in Turkey somewhat, and I mean we've spoken about him. I like his game. He's a technical player. He's usually calm on the ball. He wasn't anywhere close to the level. Ahmed Nurullahi, who was one of Scotch's favorites too, he cannot even do one international standard ball reception. I mean, the guy opened the way his body positioning is to receive a pass from the back is wrong. So I think that Kairosh, his idea to come and say that, okay, we have a problem in the center of midfield and I want to use more physical players, physical uh, to combat that, it totally backfired because those guys, they're not physically at the level of those 2018 players, but at the same time, they're technically so weak. You know, so what if you put someone, Godus, there? And yeah, he's not going to give you amazing defensive prote- uh, protection or amazing, you know, aerial dual success rate. But he's a player that can keep the ball for a couple seconds. He can turn. He can make a couple passes. I mean, he has a technical level that's better than what we saw. And I think if Kairos had just gone with that, like these are the best players technically, we'll put him out there and expect them to do their fair share of defensive work. It would have gone better. Because this group of players in the midfield, they didn't offer us defensive protection and they didn't offer us anything technically. Yeah. Pejman, uh, obviously you're, you're close to someone called those. What, what do you think is going on in his, in his head? Do you think he's going to be uh, upset with this, that he didn't get any game time? Or is he is he going to be focused on the next game? Of course, he should be upset because every player usually get when they don't get minutes. At the same time, it was like, okay, guys you show that you're not at the level to play at the world cup now let me show you how this should be done so for his sake for the world cup's sake for iran's sake 
I think uh, Carlos should put some trust in him. And as as you mentioned, like uh, Carlos have praised him a lot, but the minutes he got was from Scottish. So uh, I mean, what, what I understand if if after these three games, someone would have they didn't don't get any play time or like uh, uh, jumping in and playing for twenty minutes. I understand that he no longer wants to be with the squad, you know, because yeah, he chose the national team, Iran, for hoping to play some regular minutes and like a couple of friendlies here and there and uh, starting in the Asian Cup isn't, I think, uh, what he expected. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully uh, Kairos will be, will be brave and change a lot against Wales. And I think you're going to talk about that soon. Yeah, and we'll come on to that in a second. But I want to speak about this defense because this, this thing is very important. You know, again, a guy like Ruzbe Cheshmi, who doesn't even start that regularly for Estegla, you know, he, he started this game and he's a guy who hasn't been part of the squad since the Asian Cup in 2019. I think, if I'm not mistaken, he's not been part of the squad for a long, long time. He gets put into this lineup in a very important role as a sweeper. You know, he's playing in that kind of mid middle of defense, and he has he's asked to essentially man mark Harry Kane for for the for the whole game, um, and he's terrible. That's I mean that in the in the, most, the utmost respect, terrible performance, and it's not his fault. He's he's been put in a role where he's given too much responsibility, and I don't think he needs that responsibility. I don't think. Rosberg Cheshmi wants that responsibility. You know, at his at his point in his career, it, it probably even in his mindset before even Kiroz called him up, he's probably thinking my national team career is over. You know, I wasn't part of the qualification. Uh, Kiroz didn't even call him up for the first camp in, in Austria, and all of a sudden, he's in the squad and for the World Cup, he's starting against England. Um, it doesn't make any sense. He wasn't even in the squad for the Vienna friendly matches. You know, um. So he's put in a position where he's given far too much responsibility and, you know, he's going to make massive mistakes. Uh, and, you know, Maggi Tosin, he didn't have a good game at all. But, you know, again, uh, didn't, do, didn't do each other any any even, any favours. You know, you mentioned Cheshmi, and I think we're all going to talk, I mean, everyone wants to talk about because we changed our formation to accommodate him. He came in, he was terrible, he hasn't played before. But even look to the left. Milad Mohammadi didn't play for us during qualification either. And it, when he did, he was terrible. And Kairosh didn't play him one minute against Uruguay or Senegal. He didn't. Exactly. He played, <laughs> played Hodgsafi, and Jalali and Hodgsafi both actually played pretty good at left back against Uruguay and Senegal. And then he's come in today, he's put in Milad for the first time starting in the national team in over two years, I think, or something. And he was terrible. Well, I mean, now, now that you bring it up, uh, Sahan, he, 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 start, he started yeah. three players who haven't never, played yeah. for a long time. Karimi, Cheshmi, and Milad Mohamadi haven't played a, that much. And this goes back to my earlier point. There's a reason why Skocic removed Milad Mohamadi Because he gave him chances and he was downright awful. I mean, he was god-awful. And he, I know like the last month, he rotated more with Hodgsafi at AEK. But overall, Hodgdafi, just until recently, was the you know starter, and he still started the last game before they went off to the World Cup. But the guy's games for Team Medley, I mean, he gets the ball, and he just turns it over every single time. I mean, he can't just... And K. Rush didn't even play him against the last two games. 
Jaloli was a young player that he trusted, he gave minutes to, and who performed pretty competently. So again, it's just yeah. I mean, when you introduce three new players to a new lot to line up against England in a system that's new, I mean, what do you expect? You know what I mean? And yeah, I think just what happened. In the end. And let's look at look at the tactics that we played in this game, Pejman. Look, here's the thing, and and in, in my view, I kind of understand it, and I don't at the same time because obviously Kirosh is not going to go away from defensive football. He's going to make sure his team is is protected. We said in the last podcast, you guys weren't on, you know, he's, he's going to try and protect his midfielders, make sure they don't make any mistakes. And there's, no, there's not too much space in there. But playing a back three or a back five, what was the thinking behind that? Because actually, if you look at the way we played, we put it in our graphic as a as a, as a 3-5-2 or a 5-3-2, but it actually turned out to be a 5-4-1. With Hoy Safi and Jahan Baksh on the the wide positions, uh, Ahmad Nurlay and Ali Karimi in the middle. So it's, it's essentially two banks of one of five, one of four, and on Tarmi on his own. And it, it was almost like there was too many defenders. Do you know what I mean? Like there was too much uh, lack of space in the sense that you know the, 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 even the defensive players didn't know their responsibilities because if you got um, three against one, for example, you have to choose who to mark. You get all confused and it becomes all of a big muddle in your head. And all of a sudden, the person you were supposed to mark is not even getting marked now. You know what I mean? Because there's too many players there. We played, for example, against Spain, we played like a 6-3-1 or 6-4-0 formation, basically, right? Yeah. I mean, out of possession, that's how deep we were. But like you said, in that system, everybody knew their role. Everybody knew that this square, for example, is Ramin's square. This square is Morteza's square. And that's how it looked like on the field. They had zones. They'd, and their whole, all the player concentrated on was his zone. Today, England, I mean, aerially, I've never seen us so many, uh, lose so many aerial battles. The ball would come into the box and it was like, is it Majid's guy? Is it Shodra? Is it a? Uh, is it Morteza's guy? Is it Rusbez guy? Or is it the wingbacks guy? Or should Ali Karimi come back? And like you said, it just confused everybody. Pejman, what do you make of the, t- the tactics, the, the formation? What's what's the, the thinking behind it? Um, I listen. I I think uh, Iran made England better than they actually were, considering that. Uh, this was almost like a test game for all of these players. Uh, the new formations, the new tactics of of how they should uh, defend. We're used to see Carlos uh, having uh, having defensive play, but not necessarily, as you guys mentioned, too many defenders. So yeah, I mean, they they had not so much space next to each other, but still. Uh, it was quite easy for the English players to come one-on-one against them. So it was like, how can we have so many defenders? Or how can we like uh, have uh, four almost like defenders on the left side? But still, it's so easy for them to, to just pass through. And that's because, as uh, uh, Sahan mentioned, uh, we keep comparing with Kairos back in 2018. And that's, I think it's a, it's not fair to Kairos if you want to like be fair to him because 
then we had like first of all he had had the team for like seven eight years so the players knew much more what was expected from them and then if i'm not mistaken i think they had like at least a three-week camp or something before the world cup so it was like it was a super tight squad okay and now that we lost all of that now that we have players that aren't playing regularly in their clubs such as cheshmi such as pura ligandi that played 21 game club games in three years um now that we have nirad mohammadi back uh, this is bound to happen. I mean, Iran is not that good so that we can trust on, on them to understand that this tactical uh, idea that Kairos was thinking should automatically work. So once again, I blame Kairos for not probably understanding this and uh, thinking that the players that he likes, that he chooses to play uh, from start... Uh, would automatically be much better than like Kanani and Shoja, who's been really decent both when they played in Persepolis and when they played in the national team. Sometimes it's not the best players that should play. Uh, it's uh, the best fitted players for your team. And then Kanani and Shoja, in my opinion, is much more fit than all of those three. But I think those are the best players too. I don't think that somebody like Purati Ganji, who like you said, I mean, 21 games in three years, coming off an ACL tear. And that's like in China and Iran. It's not like... Oh yeah, 21 games in uh, for Real Madrid. No. And then against... And just look what he did. I mean, we don't need to go into too much detail, but Senegal, 45 minutes, he got turned about six times. They He conceded an own goal. He played against Nicaragua, and they made three or four clear-cut chances. Nicaraguan team, they didn't even make it to the last round of qualifying in CONCACAF. And, I mean, I don't know how, what, I mean, just based on five years ago almost, he had a good World Cup. It's not enough. I, I mean, agree. I think Kanani is, should be the number one pick. And Shoja, right before his injury against South Korea, he was, people didn't like him. But I think he was doing really great, actually, because it, it reminded me kind of like Hosseini and Adili back in the days. They were like, these two are not maybe the, the fastest, not maybe the, the best in the league, but maybe they were also. But they, they're so good together. And I hope we never need see Cheshmi as a defender in the national team in Iran again. And yeah, also Pumali Ganji. Yeah, I think you know. I think I'm one of the players who actually should probably feel uh, hard done by in this when it comes to the, the squad is RF Agassi. Um, if you cast your mind back to the Algeria game, uh, we played against them uh, back in June. He had a fantastic game. You know, he got involved in in the goal as well. He's having a very good season for Fulad. He, he's a good young player with a lot. Of, he's hungry. I I don't I honestly. I get it why Purali Ganji was called up, but if you look at it like realistically, Purali Ganji shouldn't be in the squad. I, I don't think he should be I in the squad. I even thought that, you know, Shamana Fallo, who's the captain for Paycon, who's only 20 years old, he made the final, he made it up to the last cup with K Rush right now. I mean, I personally don't think 
Kureli Angi, like you said, should even be in the squad. I think that the, the center back rotation should have been those main three Kanoni, uh, Shoja, and Maji. But if you're going to call in another guy, if somebody was going to have this experience of getting manhandled like this, at least it should be a 20 year old player who might learn in the future and get better. We know what Kurali Ganji's level is. We know that he tore ACL. We know that at 30 years old, he's never going to get back to the level of before. So what are we even trying? Is it this disappointing uh, by Kairos? I'm I'm not happy with the stubbornness at all. I, I'm not. I mean, I, we've always defended Kairos, but I, I'm not happy with the the lack of good care. work stubbornness. Stub- totally stubbornness agree. and unwilling to 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 get out of his own ways. You know, he's quite an old-fashioned coach, and we we know he's an old-fashioned coach. But it, it's it's not good that a, a coach doesn't progress with the times. You know, I'm sorry, Carlos Queiroz is a fantastic coach. He really is. But in this generation, you cannot be stubborn. Football progresses very fast. Football is progressing every single day. I don't give a a bleep if he's got tons of licenses, he's been coaching courses, he coached, I don't I don't really care. National team football was progressing. Iran are a, a developing football nation. You cannot stop, stick with the same players that played in 2018 who aren't ready to play. As simple as that. And, that. and then it just goes to show, I mean, yeah, he had such a limited time window. That's true. And for that reason, he's stuck with the main guys. But if you have a limited time window, in my opinion... It would, especially now in retrospect from the first game, it would have been better to say, okay, I wasn't here to assess what was going on the past four years. Fair enough. But somebody was here who got wins with the team and he decided that, you know, this group of players, uh, you know, these were the new ones that he was able to add. Hossein Zodeh, Yossina Salmoni. He was able to add Hardoni. Nuraf Khan, who kind of went off the boil recently a lot. Um, you know, Shojan Kanoni emerging as the key starters. So he was able to have these progressions, make of them what you will. But if I'm coming in and I didn't have the chance to assess people accurately, maybe I just found Jalali in the last camp, I should stick with a little bit more what he took from the last, you know, three years of having these players. I think that would have been fair. Let's speak about the strikers or the forward players. That he played so obviously Jahan Baksh played more as a right midfielder. We'll just say that he was a striker today. So obviously Jahan Baksh and Tarami, essentially the forward players. I don't know if you guys agree. I thought Jahan Baksh had a horrible game. Um, yeah. Had a really a typical ja- typical 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 Jahan Baksh performance. Typical that we don't and the one that Sahan was asking not to see in, a, in one of the last podcasts. Similar to what we always get that we don't want to see is trying to be too precise trying to be too cute trying to be trying to do things that that make him look like he's afraid of making mistakes you're playing in a role that requires risk that requires creativity requires a bit of invention when Corey they came on he gave that he gave that risk he even gave away a few passes he made a few mistakes when he came on early on but he made a he made a goal happen he got a couple of crosses in John Bax didn't get any crosses in he didn't take on his man. When he went when he had a shot goal, he used the inside of his foot. He should be absolutely battering that with the laces. You know, and unfortunately, Jahan Baksh is in a part of in a time of his career where he's gonna be even more afraid to make mistakes because he's not playing at club level. You know, he's not playing for his club. So 
you know, I think I'm I'm worried for Jahan Bax. I think he's a he's a he's a he's a talented footballer, but he, his mindset isn't there. He's not got the mindset that you want from a footballer with his experience, who's been to three World Cups, who's playing in a role that's very important, but can't produce anything. A guy who's playing in the Premier League, um, we expect him to do something against England, but he couldn't. And I think that's a big, big shame. Don't know what you guys think, Pejman? Yeah, I mean, we were bashing the defenders, but as we said, they haven't played with each other, so it's, it's kind of hard. But for me, the biggest loss here or the biggest villain I don't know what to say uh, the baddest player, the worst player in this national team today was by far Jahan Marsh because we expect so much more from him, that's the thing uh, like as, as we said, Cheshmi, he played like 10-15 games, something like that okay, we understand uh, uh, Morteza and Majid, you know but uh, Jahan Marsh he's like a uh, the second captain or something like that. He's expected to have a much better understanding of the game. He's supposed to, as you said, I mean, three World Cups now, and he's still uh, not able to turn things over when it's necessary. That's That for me is kind of like a lack of leadership mentality. I think he's a gentleman. I think he's always like a, a professional and he seems like a super nice guy. But on the field, when it matters the most, I think he's the most disappointing time you know, and time again. Sorry, Paige, man, to cut you off there. Did, did you finish? Okay. No, just a, a good point. That I, Sahan, I'll come to you for this one because, Sahan, you made a really good point and I think it's very important to bring this up. Jahan Bach has this mean mentality sometimes he can be she can be tough he can be gritty can get himself involved in games and sometimes he'll have really like tough you know tackles in his game and he can be really strong but that's very rare and when he does play like that you're like wow this guy's got some ability you know when when he's when 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 the goal against qatar when he left footed strike from the edge of the box he absolutely battered it and he got it into the bottom of the goal. And he, it was like he was completely free. There was nothing in his head that was going to bother him. The header versus Korea this time. Yeah. I mean, that equalizer in Tehran, that was a, was a real high-class header. The goal against Iraq, the second performance against Iraq. Those are all good. But in my opinion, I don't know, but I have personally thought John Bach should not be a starter for Team Medley for a long time. And my preferred starter for this World Cup on the right was Alofio. Because I thought he gave fearlessness. He gave industry. He gave real speed. And he made mistakes for sure. And he missed chances sometimes. But when I looked at him, I said, this guy, he's going to give the opposition something to think about. You know, this, and at the minimum, he's going to cover a ton of ground. And he's going to have speed in behind. In my opinion, Jaumbash's career with the national team I think it should be over. I think that if we have respect for Iran as a footballing nation, we'll find other players. I think Mohebi, Hossein Zadeh, Al-Lahyar, I think there's more than enough talent on the right-hand side to say in future years, this guy maybe as a sub for leadership or something, but on the field, I don't see it. I mean, for Feyenoord, he had a great chance for such uh, after such a bad time at Brighton to get into this Feyenoord team I mean, this is a club with a good coach, big fan base, 
good young players and they afforded him opportunities like here be the star man again nothing you know and he's wasted so many chances i mean today it's just the same thing he always these amateurish giveaways we look at him as the one player that has maybe uh, you know besides Taremi some technical ability experience at the level you know, put your foot on the ball keep the ball for two seconds turn maybe do one turn do a switch of play you know just zero the ball comes to him a really good opening he even has time to take a touch even he could have taken a touch side foot so high over and in my opinion i don't see why we need to persist with him i don't even right now i look at the team what we have at this world cup Polizade has so many problems as a winger he has so many deficiencies in his game that he doesn't even start all the time for Charleroi. And he came in and changed the game. I mean, he it was like we had 10 men and Golizade came in and we had 11 men. Because at least he was getting on the ball. Like Arya said, he was trying things. They didn't come off, but he was aggressive. He was a live wire. And he gave a brilliant assist in the end. Mahdi Torabi came on and he was effective. You know, he, they played him out wide and they played him in the middle. And he gave the pass for Sardar's one-on-one, I think. And he had an effect on the game. Both of them, I would put them ahead of uh, John Bach right now to, to start the next game. So I think personally, I don't, I really don't want to keep persisting because how many chances does one player need to show he's not at the level anymore before we say enough? Um, you know, let's speak about uh, kind of the beginning of the game now, a little bit more about the game itself because we've gone on the individual, but we'll speak about. Before we get to the goals and what happened, all these kind of things, Bayron Van, you know, got a pretty nasty injury to his nose. Um, he big collision with Majid Hosseini who came off fine. Uh, he, I think, pre- pretty much either broke his nose or definitely got a concussion. Um, and was he played on for a little bit and then he got subbed off for Hosseini Hosseini. Before I ask you guys regarding that, whether that has an effect on the team, I want to ask you guys a question that's very important to ask. You know, Baron Van, we spoke about on the last podcast, he went and saw the president. Personally, I felt like, you know, what he what he did there was a bit unnecessary. He could, he could have done a little bit, a bit less, but, you know, that, that's my opinion. At the same time, do you think that what's happened outside of the game the messages these players have been receiving, do you think that's that's played any impact on the game? Because I I got asked this question a million times by, by media. You know, do you think that these are going to impact the players? Do you think it had any impact or do you think it is all Kairos, it is all the players not performing well? Uh, Pejman? Or uh, Sahan, Pejman, you go first. Uh, I 100% believe that it had a big impact. Uh, these guys aren't robots. Uh, we, we've seen them before all the protests started in Iran. They were quite active in social media. They have millions of followers. So we know that they, they follow uh, social media a lot. They, they're quite active. Uh, and after this, their so-called lack of showing commitment or whatever you want to call it, uh, they've been getting a lot of heat from people both inside and outside of Iran. So. They, they turned like from this uh, superheroes to Iran to this uh, anti-heroes. People that are 
are uh, they, f- they see them as regime friendly like they support Iranian uh, government and all stuff like that uh, and I think like you could see Ehsan uh, Hoshsafi yesterday in the press conference I mean uh, he, he looked quite uh, taken uh, I don't know how much you can take from that and also during the national anthem I mean I, I think these guys are a little bit mentally broken to be honest, it's really hard to like live in this bubble where they try to like just focus on football. It's it's impossible. Do you I think don't... it's do you think it's justified, Sahan, uh, the pressure they're getting, or do you think no? Do, what's your opinion on that? What 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 do you add? I mean, I look at it this way: these are people that are in their twenties. Most of this team is in their twenties. These are young people, um, and. You're asking them at one time to prepare for the biggest professional um, battle that they could possibly prepare for, which I think is right now a match against this England team in a World Cup. And at the same time, many of them have come out in support of the protests. Many of them have, have before the protests, when it came to women's rights, women entering the stadium, we had some very vocal players. We had Jahan Bash, very vocal. Osmoon, very vocal. Other players as well um, that were uh, extremely vocal uh, in in those battles. As soon as the protests happened, we had many players in Europe with black armband, uh, Majid Hosseini, Sadiq Muharrami, Mehdi Taremi. Mehdi Taremi, I mean, I, I don't know from what angle somebody who has been such a pride um, for Iran in the past three years, I can't think of many people who have, you know, really given our country in hard times a better name than Mehdi Tarimi recently. Uh, and he dedicated an entire post-match uh, Man of the Match award to the situation in Iran. They asked him, why didn't you celebrate? And he said, clearly what? Uh, you know, he scored against Bayer Leverkusen Brace. He was wearing a black armband. He didn't celebrate. So for me, it's not possible like you said uh Pejman said they are humans they're not robots and maybe we thought that Kairos could maybe get them off social media I think it was beyond that in the end it really was way beyond that and I think Mourinho has mentioned this like trying to keep this generation of players away from that stuff it's not like trying to keep your like you know a 60 year old or 50 year old man saying I don't want to be a part of social media like there's no way for this 20 year old player to not be involved and know what's going on on social media. And so I think from the beginning, they looked defeated. Like Peshwan said, they looked broken. And if the goal of some people was to break these players mentally for a supposed lack of action, if this was, uh, you know, the only thing they could get their hand to in terms of uh, actually, um, I would say, uh, furthering the struggle, the Iranian resistance against this regime was these players, this was all they could manage to get their hand on and hit and break, then so far they did a good job. If this was the goal, I'm not sure what effect it had in the grand scheme of things, um, how positive it was to break these people, but that's all we saw, a broken group of people that weren't able to do their professional responsibility on the field and um, in the end, for the you know, Iranian country and, and the record of Iran that's going to remain in the World Cup uh, forever in time, whatever happens with 
governments coming, going, um, it will say that Iran lost today 6-2. So I don't, I don't know how effective beating them was, but that was the result. I think yeah, it's a tough one because I th- th- on one on one side of the story, uh, again as I said on the previous podcast, footballers should be at least encouraged to to go and, and show support. And yes, as you mentioned, Sahan, definitely some players have, some players haven't, and that's that's a fact as well. I think some players ha- haven't. Uh, can mention Torah being Amiri. That that's just the truth, and no one's going to hide that. But um. A lot of them have. And has it been enough? That's a question that a lot of people have asked. Has, has it been enough? Up for debate. Again, it's up for debate. It's up for, personally speaking. Um from some yes, from some no. You know, that that's just the that's just the truth. And I think we have to you know, we have to understand that yes, it's gonna affect them on the pitch. They're footballers, they have they have a job to do as well. And you can see that they couldn't implement their job uh, at all today what against is, England. Arya, I mean, with all due respect, what is enough? Because enough is one thing to you. It's one thing to well, uh, on. It's one thing to someone else. I yeah. mean, at the end of the day, I think that they, you know, no one today sang the anthem. Nobody that was in the starting lineup. That's what I get end, to. At the end, they had a unity circle. They had black arm before, before, before the before the game, oh, sorry, before the game, before, before the yeah. Which all the players. Even Vahid Amiri and Mehdi Torabi were involved yes. in. So they're trying to show unity. They're trying to speak out. But I think in some cases, I just want to say this, that the dialogue has already exceeded what these players can they do to get back on set. They're, it's gone. Whatever they do, they're going to be villainized, like Pejman said. And I don't know if that's really – it's helping anybody. It just seems like yeah. it's harming a group of young people who are trying to – uh, represent their country in something that they earn the right to play in. That's well, I, th- I think you made a good point there. And and yes, it, it was good to see. And I think from an international media, I mean, I was watching the game on the BBC and the commentator even said, you know, that was a really big statement from the national team players not to sing the national anthem. That None of them sang it. Uh, so that was, you know, from an international, whether it's Iranians or whether it's not, but international media see that as a big protest, which is, I suppose it's good because it gets the voice out there. Similarly, the photo of as you as you mentioned, uh, we can even bring it up on the screen. Uh, the players um, holding hands, raising their hands, and they're all wearing black. Actually, they, they actually wore the black armbands or wristbands during the warm up. They, they all wore it during warm up. It wasn't just for that one second. They actually all wore it before the game. It just wasn't shown. Um, so, and then they had to take it off because FIFA would would give yellow cards to everyone. So. Yeah, uh, and, and I think that's that, that's a good point. I was I was going to get to that because I think today they did show some solidarity and support. And as you mentioned, as a team, as a unit, they all tried to stick together and do that. You know, some might say you know they they didn't celebrate they, they celebrated they didn't they do anything during the goals. Uh, they when they sit for the celebrations. These are these are things that again everyone can have these opinions. But for 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 the majority, I actually didn't expect them to do anything. I'll be honest with you, I didn't actually think they were going to do anything. To do that, I think was was a was something. It was it was a, but you know people are going to have their opinions on it, and we just have to 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 see what they do. Maybe they might do something else with the Wales game. We'll see. Maybe we'll do it again. Uh, we we'll, we will see. So mo- moving back to Baron Van Den, did did 
Pejman, do you think that his injury affected the game or it had no impact? I mean, uh, Bejman, what I like about him is like uh, he keeps, it feels like he keeps the guys motivated. I mean, he likes to shout and yell and maybe they need that. Uh, he's kind of becoming a leader in the national team. So they lost a leader, but in my opinion, they lost a, a really good goalie. Maybe not. Could he have done something different with the goals? Okay, maybe he could have saved one. Okay, we would then only lose 5-2. I don't think that would make a difference, to be honest. Uh, I was more hoping that uh, this, would, this could be a good break for the team to gather themselves because the injury was like in the 10th, 12th minute, something like that. Um, and uh, Iran was playing awful the first time that's up to that point as well so it, would, it could be like a perfect time to like okay guys we we see that this isn't working or we should do something like that this is our plan b okay we could like gather the, the the players but i didn't see that at least but uh what was Baron Wand doing there once again i mean i keep sounding like a broken record once again, his timing is really off. I mean, is he supposed to hit that ball? Is he supposed to get uh, uh, gets into... Uh, because I don't remember which English player it was that it, it went wide above him. So he's totally missing the ball. Unfortunately, the player that got the ball couldn't score. But if it would be a goal, then it would be 100% Baron Van missing it. So well, it's Baron think- Van all over. Sahan, yeah. who is our best keeper? Like, you know, this I, debate I, has been going on for too long. I don't think it's... I think it is Bayron Van still. I think it, he has problems. That's granted. There's no doubting that. But I think that, uh, like Peshman said, leader, and he has the ability to make big saves. I think his one-on-one qualities are better than... I mean, Hosseini, I think he could have saved at least one today of those. I mean, he didn't. I don't even think he made a save in the end, did he? Um. It looked like everything England Not shot really, on no. score. So uh, would it have made a difference in the result? No. But with the question of is Bayron Van the best, I think he is. And one thing I want to mention is Bayron Van's play with his feet in Europe was a topic of some controversy, especially at Antwerp. But it improved a lot while he was there. I mean, from the games I saw against Uruguay, Senegal, I mean, it was, yeah, Uruguay, uh, and um, the just in general when he came back to Paris Police, his play with his feet improved from the time in Europe. And when I compare to Hosseini today, I mean his goal kicks and his his drop kicks, not even a goal kick, just with the ball in his hands kicking, he was giving the ball right to the English players every time. And the ball was coming right back on a counterattack. So from that perspective, Hosseini might be an okay shot stopper. It reminds me of a Mehdi Rahmati kind of style. Right. Yeah, yeah. His kicking is just wrong. And yeah, his, not good. I mean, that's kicking. I'm not even talking about can he build sometimes out of the back, which Bayron Van actually showed he can. And Bayron Van's kicking is good. His distribution is good. Um, I agree with Pejman. I mean, his exits aerially have always been an issue. But, you know, that was the first kind of ball that came in the game. And he did get a flick on it. And if he didn't get that flick, I think Sterling would have headed it in, actually. No, no, no. He didn't get um, a flick that made any difference. Maybe. And it's like, it's, it's, for me, it's much more okay to 
to be a goalkeeper that kicks the ball quite badly compared to not being able to do the one thing, the only only thing that you can do as a goalkeeper, actually using I, your hands. I think one of the well, things I don't, that... I don't think Hosseini is just... Uh, my point is that I don't think Hosseini, on the other hand, it's not even the Bayramans footwork is necessarily great. I don't think yeah. Jose hands thing is better than Beto Man's either. It's interesting because obviously, you know, he played against Senegal. He had actually a very good game against Senegal, Jose Ni. Man's always had this issue of his exits are, are not the best. You know, if you look at it, if you go back to the Iran against Algeria match in 2018, a similar kind of exit, completely missed the ball uh, and they scored. And he, he has had these kind of errors in his in his career he watched the game against rangers in in the in the europa league similarly just a lot of bad mistakes and he, he's he's not he's not a perfect goalie being on band there's no doubt but he's got a lot of mistakes in his game i think we really do i don't see i don't think we've got a goalkeeping problem but we do have an issue in goals for sure i mean a guy like Again, Bayern van mistake against Lebanon in the in the qualification. We almost lost that game one 0 uh, the game the game against South Korea, flapping at the the the, the Son Hyung Min shot. Um, Niazman had quite a couple of bad games in qualification in Canada under under Skocic. You know, again, he just we we are having some issues in goals. Maybe in the next five years, someone new comes up, but. But this could be the reason why Kairos called up four goalkeepers, you know, because maybe he sees a, a, a big issue there. I don't know. But um... I think it's weird because I think the level of our goalies compared to previous years, the general level of Iranian goalies is higher than the, like when we had just the Mirza Pur, Rahmat, yeah. sort of things. But at the same time, I don't think anybody from this group of, you know, Niazman, Bayram Band, Abed Zadeh, Hosseini, uh, Akhbari, who was involved previously and also was looked at again in this camp, none of them took that next step in the recent years where you thought, okay, now you take the step to make it your, you know, you're the jersey. Bayram Band had his struggles, Abed Zadeh got his chance, he had his problems, Niazman, who Many of us thought, uh, from a technical perspective, he was the best out of all of them. If you just want to look at his physique, his um, uh, sk- his skills, um, the whole package, really, his reflexes, everything, exits. Then he went to Portugal, didn't really play. And as soon as it looked like he might become a starter this year, he went back to Iran and Sepahan, and he hasn't really done a great job there. Um, so Hosseini is having a great one and a half, two years for Estegloul. But before that, he was actually, even at the start of last year, I think Majidi actually benched him for a while for their young goalkeeper, Rezoi. So, yeah, nobody was, has, nobody's made it their own, I think. And you know what like, was funny? What was funny with, with Hosseini coming on is he almost seemed very glad to come on. He was almost like he was he was really like excited to do so. He was like a big smile on his face. And it was like a bit of a surprise to him as well that he was given that chance. And I think... I think these. Uh, I hope. I really do hope in the next five years something does happen. I just feel like this Olympic team that we've had over the last few years just doesn't seem to really be be growing that many good players. I mean, who was our goalie in the Olympic team? Do you remember Sand? I think. Uh, I think Rezoi was supposed to be yeah. the goalie, but then he wasn't called up, so they had to. 
find some other replacement. And I don't think uh, they performed that well, if I remember. And I think I think it's just it's just it's not been good. The development in that position has not been good enough. Okay, let's move on then. Uh, to just like a last couple of points for the England game. Obviously, the goals that we conceded, as I said before, all the players that have scored it. Uh, Pejmon, anything we could we could have done differently in those games? Like maybe, uh, maybe we would have been better. Is there a formation we could have played that could have made it better? What What do you think? Are you asking about the goals or, or, or sorry, I didn't understand. About the goals we conceded. Do you think we could? Is there anything we could have done differently to make them not happen? Could we not concede those goals? Is there any way? <laughs> of course. I mean, of course, I mean, we talked about this the entire pod, more or less, that's uh, uh, from the tactics to the uh, lack of uh, uh, pressure from the midfield to the defensive players being out of, uh, they don't know what they're doing. So, so yeah, we could do a lot of things to, to avoid those. And uh, at the same time, we must give praise to, to the English players, the English uh, team, they were really good. They were smart. They made it look so easy. That that's what's frustrating. And all of the six goals, none of them were from set pieces, right? So uh, maybe we should uh, work, go back to basics. But yeah. A lot of things could be <laughs> different. And then, uh, Sahan, on the substitutes, obviously Osmond came on, Qorezadeh came on, uh, we had... Um, Ezzatullahi came on, Torabi came on, and that's it, I think, if not mistaken. Kanani came and, on. And Kanani came on. Anything that you saw from them that maybe a lot. you would like saw... to see in the next game as well? Oh, I saw a lot from them. I saw so much from them, I wish they had started. Because uh, I thought Kanani, when he came on, he got exposed a couple times. But I think generally he was better. He he actually read a couple aerial situations well. He got some blocks. Um, I think he should start, really. Um, I thought Osmoon, for having not played for a long time, um, he actually looked pretty sharp. He looked dangerous. His finish was, I thought, okay. I mean, it was a really great save by Pickford to tip it onto the bar. But in general, he added a dimension to our attack. And having another player besides Taremi to worry about was a serious thing for England. Um, and maybe, you know, opens up to this thing we said before about being a little bit brave, at least pressing them in some spots might have been possible. Um, you know, maybe not for the whole game, but for maybe a five-minute period or when Taremi uh, saw Maguire with the ball in a specific situation, that could have been a trigger and they were actually giving a lot of turnovers um, for really some disorganized pressure that we put on them. He's harmed me several times. And I thought that that's something we could have capitalized on. If we Obviously, we can't high press against England or any team for an extended period of time. But I thought there could have been sequences early on in the game where we gave England something to think about. Because as soon as they said 5-3-2, I mean, they saw the 5-3-2 and Southgate realized it. He said, just go for it because these guys aren't going to do anything. And I think that's a little bit sad because when we took the subs, like you mentioned, Arya, when Golizadeh came on, when Torabi was there, uh, even without the subs, when we did press them in the first half, they were coughing the ball up. And I think that we could have laid some traps for them um, that at least would have given them something to think about. That You know, this team is still dangerous. And when any team... Uh, the opponent thinks that you're still dangerous 
that's going to be in their mind when they're attacking too. And they might not give, you know, yeah. everybody into the final third. Yeah. Well, can I say one, one, one uh, yes. thing? Um, I was really looking at the Iranian top three there uh, in the front. It was Taremi, Jahan Bakhsh, and like Ehsan Hosh Safir for some weirder reason. Um, and it was so interesting to see, you know, because Iran always have that really high pressure and that's how uh, we got a bunch of uh, turnovers. So like I was watching Taremi and it was like, uh, he was getting so frustrated because when, when he's pressuring one guy, somebody behind him or like the uh, uh, Baksh or, or Ehsan are supposed to like do something like pressured uh, uh, like a, someone to the left or to the right or take his position that Tarimi had so like he looks back Tarimi and he's like several times he's doing this like keep keep the line keep the pressure oh, maybe do it like this keep the pressure yeah. you know um, and that's why a player that haven't played for a long time a couple of months at least Osmoon can do a much better job because he and Tarimi knows what they need to do when they're pressuring the guys. Ehsan didn't knew that and he had a hard time because he were he was everywhere, Ehsan, and couldn't really do anything. But uh, th- that's that shows the important the quality actually that those two have in, in front. I believe if Taremi and Osmoon would have started, if Osmoon would have been uh, fit, uh, we could see some more danger, especially in the first half. Yeah, uh, I, okay. Oh, sorry, sorry, there you go. I don't know if we're going to... I'm not sure what we're moving on to next, but I just um, wanted to say, you know, Mehdi Taremi was fantastic today. And I think we really should take the time to appreciate, you know, to play in this situation with all the things off the field, with the team getting battered in front of the whole world in the second World Cup game, for him to show again cement his his credentials in front of the whole world i think it deserves a lot of credit and i saw him the whole game he was getting frustrated like you said pejmo but he was also controlling himself he was he was saying a lot of times to the guys after they conceded goal just calm down guys it's okay he wasn't yelling at them he wasn't berating them which he could have he would have been well within his rights to do but even at one time after he scored he got them in a huddle to try to get them a little bit organized on the field. And I think the progression of Mehdi Taremi from the player from four years ago, five years ago, to the player and person he is now, I think it's been an amazing, you know, personal story and yeah. also in terms of his football. And his finish, it was brilliant. Um, I mean, that was a really high-level finish. Uh, one chance, one goal, and then the penalty, he dispatched perfectly. And so... In my opinion, you know, there he he's already become I think the top goal scorer ever for Iran at a World Cup, that easily, um, and I think if he scores a couple more goals in this World Cup, I think he probably will go down. I've said this before as the greatest um, Iranian player ever. I think he deserves that for his performances in Europe, multiple years at a high level, and doing it in the World Cup, even when the team has major problems. I think it deserves a lot of credit. Yeah, I want to come on to what Carlos Kiro said after the game. I'm very proud of them. Very proud of them, the way they stand up. They 
keep fighting, score two goals against England under these circumstances. I'm very proud and did the, the post one time. Um, they did well. They did. I'm very proud of uh, what they did. Um, but of course, it's one one example. 14-18, we have full support from the fans. And now you saw what happened today. Uh, so that's why my duty, it is probably to invite the fans of Iran that they're not here ready to support the team. They should stay home. Uh, they should stay home. Why they come here uh, to be against against the team? We don't need them in on the stadium. They, it's much better they, they stay home. Uh, because to have fans that they only support the team when we are winning, we don't need them. It's, it's something that uh, the players, of course, they feel when they are playing. Basically saying, you know, the, the, they've had a tough time. Uh, whatever they do, they get berated for it uh, and um, let them get on with the job. Sand? Yeah, I mean, I, I want to say this is not just if, you know, some people inside and outside Iran that have a problem with Team Medley, this pressure is coming from inside too. You know, the the Islamic Republic themselves, the Federation, um, you know, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes and how much pressure they're putting. To yeah, say, for sure. Well, actually, actually, just to, just, just, I mean, just to give said, you a little sign, sorry, well, from, from what we heard is they were actually forced or being asked repeatedly that you must sing the national anthem you know they didn't do it which is obviously good to see but they were being really forced to do it obviously other sports people in iran haven't done it either but yes you're right there is pressure from I, I inside don't agree that i do not agree that the pressure other sports people in iran are under um in various you know, sports in various competitions that are individual competitions that you go maybe with one or two people as your staff. It's not comparable to what, uh, to what is prepared from a security perspective for a team that's going to the biggest sporting event in the world. Their controls, the security apparatus that is within the camp um, for the last few years in different roles uh, is, is clear. People can go look that up. They can see that. And it's not as simple as you just don't want to do something, you don't do it. And they showed, I think, courage today um, to do what they did. I, I'm sure that the unity circle wasn't um, sanctioned by the people in charge. And so, yeah, like Kairos said, you don't know what's going on. These people are getting pressure on all sides while trying to prepare for the biggest game of their life. I mean, maybe for some people it's unfortunate that we qualified, but they qualified from a hard situation and ultimately, they have to play the games. They have to play the games, and they're going to play the games. So I don't think, you know, going there, some people booing them in the stadium. I'm not sure if that really happened or not. Um, but I think coming it's on to that, productive, you know. Coming on to that, um, Kairosh also says, uh, well, fans who come to disturb the team. Uh, sorry. Fans who come to with the issues, not just about football, are not welcome. So people who come to the disturb a team about football, things that are not related to football are not welcome uh, at this uh, national team's matches. Pejman? Sorry, I didn't understand the question. One it's more. the one that, that Jacob Steinberg is here. So it says, it says Iranian fans who come to disturb the team with issues. Disturb. Not, 
yeah, not just yeah. about football or not welcome to his side's matches. The Carlos Kirish. Yeah, Kirish yeah, said that in the press conference afterwards. Yes, right? yes. Yeah. And I think uh, Kerosh is uh, wrong for saying that. I mean, he's a coach. He should focus on his players. If he's sad that somebody's booing him or his players, then they should be strong mentally enough. I mean, there are already under so much mental pressure. I get it. But you can't say to people, if you don't cheer on us, then go home. It's not up to him to decide what people want to do in the stadiums as long as they follow the rules, so to say. So if they want to boo, if they want to cheer, if they want to sing, if they want to uh, uh, cheer on the, another team, if they want to have an, all different clothes, it's up to them. Uh, Kairos was really uh, wrong for, for saying that, in my opinion. He's, he's, it's not his his uh, place to say anything like that. Well, it's it's an it's an international football competition, so free, it, there has to be free speech, right? There, I mean, no doubt about it. If FIFA are, are going to say politics and football don't mesh, well, then people should be able to to say what what they feel like, whatever they want. At least in this situation, where literally it's been going on for the past what. Uh, 20, 30 years. So ultimately, they have to allow them to say whatever they want. Yeah. And if Kairosh has an issue with that, um, well, of course he'll have an issue with it because he's the head coach of the country and it's going to make his players play a certain way that he doesn't want to play. But ultimately, you know... He should he, keep I, that to himself. Yeah, it's, I, 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 I agree with you. What do you think, Sahand? I'm, on one hand, I agree. I think he's a little bit... He's adding a little bit too much fuel to the fire almost. Um, even the comments from John Bash, uh, you know, with regards to the English media, like he, he almost entered a war of words with them. Um, and I think that was kind of piggybacking on the K Roche siege kind of mentality, which we talked about before. It could be positive, right? But that only works when you have the substance, exactly. you know? If you have, if you want to get into a war of words, if you want to go there with media and with fans that are coming, I'm, I'm, this is the thing. I'm not sure if he's referring to people who just uh, maybe came with the pure intention of booing the team from the start. I don't know what group he's referring to. In my opinion, I, you know, people can come, they're free to do what they want. But if people are already showing up with the intention to disturb the team, if um, and that's been happening, I mean, I personally don't agree with that. Um, but I think that when the players and the coach are entering the kind of psychological warfare state, they need to have the, this performance to pack to back it up. So, like Mehdi Taremi, when he's in, been in Porto, he's gotten involved with the Benfica sporting fans in psychological battle it's happened but he delivers so when someone talks they should be able to deliver and i think a little bit kairosh i'm not sure if he understands that some of these players that you're encouraging to to have a response um and he's showing himself a response that's abrasive and um kind of touchy and he's getting uh you know, offended by having these fans and he's creating controversy, basically adding more fuel to the fire. Then if the players are going to take his lead and get involved with that, they should have the technical capabilities to back it up. So I think it's being counterproductive in the sense that 
some of the players are accepting it, like Jean Bach, they're promoting it, they're getting, you know, into a little squabble with the media, but it's not helping their game. In fact, it's making them play worse. And I think Kairos maybe misread that, that the Iranian players, most of them, with the exception of maybe Tarami and Osmoon, I think, yeah, just Tarami and Osmoon, they're not ready. You know, they can hardly do the basic things uh, in the perfect situation. Now you want to add another layer of mental pressure, like they're going to be fighting against the world. It personally, to me, it doesn't look like it's going to work. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think he's Kairos has always been a bit of a, a hothead. We all know it. He's been he's he fights with referees. He he says things in press conferences. You can tell that he's quite hard on his players sometimes in training. He's always been a bit of a hothead, but this time around, I I don't understand why he's chosen to say things in press conferences. It's just going to put more pressure on his players. For for instance, the, the thing with Sky Sports News. Yes, maybe it was maybe some people like it, some people don't like it. Personally, I wasn't a fan of what he said, but it's, it's, he knows for a fact whatever he says is going to cause controversy. Today he said this, it's going to cause even more pressure on his players. I don't understand, from a coach's standpoint, I don't understand why he's choosing. It's similar to Jose Mourinho, you know, where sometimes he says things that it puts even more pressure on his footballers than than he actually thinks he's doing. And I think Kiroz is kind of getting into that habit now of being a little bit of a, of a hothead saying things he shouldn't really say and putting his team in a, a worse position than he really should be in at this point. Um, and I think that I hope that he kind of shuts his mouth a little bit, to be honest with you. I think he needs to, needs to be quiet and get on for his job because you lost to England, mate. Do your job properly. That, that's all I've got to say. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you've lost to England. You got beat 6-2. Now you've got a tough task against Wales, which we're going to get on to now. Iran against Wales on Friday, November 25th at the Ahmad bin Ali Stadium in Al Rayyan. Uh, 1 p.m. local time in Doha, 10 a.m. in the UK, 5 a.m. Eastern, 2 a.m. Pacific. Um, we're going to do a quick interview with uh, Megan Faringa, a Welsh football writer. And we'll go to that just now. I'm joined by Megan Faringa, uh, a Welsh football journalist. How are you doing, Megan? I'm good. How are you? Good, thanks for coming on Global Zan Podcast. Give us a little bit about yourself, the work that you do um, in the, the sort of sports field. So I'm a football reporter for Reach PLC. They um, they own did the Daily Mirror, uh, Football London, Wales Online, all those kinds of publications. Um, predominantly, I'm covering my day-to-day with women's football, but I've covered Wales for a very long time, probably for the last three years. Um, so I know the team very, very well. And obviously, from my accent, I'm also American, so I know the USA team as well. Fantastic. Uh, that works perfectly because Wales played against the US uh, yesterday. Uh, match ended 1-1. Uh, goals coming from uh, Wea and Bale. Uh, just give us your general thoughts on the match and how you think that first game for, for both teams now that you said you're American, which is a bit of a surprise to me when we came on initially. How do you think that game went on for both teams? Uh, it was definitely a game of two halves, to use a cliche. Um, I think Wales will be much happier with the point salvaged because, to be honest, in that first half, they deserved to be absolutely nowhere near um, a 1-1 scoreline. Um, I thought that they were pretty... It's probably like one of the worst games I've seen Wales play in a really long time. I know a lot of Wales fans 
were thinking to themselves, we've waited 64 years for this. This is really the performance we're about to put in. Um, but the whole game shifted when Kiefer Moore came on in the second half. But as well, like I think it was demonstrative of the U.S.'s failures to actually have a cutting edge. Wayne Hennessy in goal for Wales, I think, hardly made a save. I don't think I think the only save he made was in Joe Roden, who's the Wales defender, headed the ball back at him kind of randomly. And um, it bounced off Wayne Hennessy's shoulder. So. So yeah, Wales's lack of cutting or the US's lack of cutting edge was completely on display. They should have been 3-0 up before the half. They weren't. Um, and Wales through Gareth Bale, as is pretty much the narrative every time Gareth Bale plays for Wales, came in clutch and and grabbed them a point. Kiefer Moore was quite a big deciding factor in, in kind of the turnaround by, by Wales. Um, what did you see in his performance? And do you think he can carry that on to the match against Iran on Friday? Yeah, I think against Iran, he definitely will start. For against the US, um, Wales really needed him to hold the ball up. US were pressing really high. They were like really putting Wales's defense under pressure, and Wales like couldn't really play out or play through the midfield. Um, so when Kiefer came on in the second half, it completely changed the dynamic of the game. Suddenly Wales could get forward. They actually had spells of possession on the ball in the first half. I think the U.S. dominated two thirds of possession. So, yeah, it was very testifying to like the U.S. just or Wales just like absolutely failing to do anything really of note in the first half. So Kiefer Moore came on and changed it. Um, he has a great first touch. People always say like he has a good first touch for a big man, but he has a great first touch regardless. Um, but his ability to hold the ball up, bring other players into play is huge. And against Iran particularly, like I watched the England game um, and set pieces kind of came to haunt Iran. Um, like Harry Maguire's header to get Saka his first goal. Um, Jude Bellingham's header as well. That's where Kiefer does really well for Wales is he's usually the one that gets kind of on the end of a cross from your Connor Roberts, your Nico Williams, even your Dan Jameses. Um, so that's something that I think Iran is definitely going to have to look out for. A couple of injuries uh, towards the end of the game. Uh, Ethan Ampadu and Harry Wilson both got uh, injuries. I don't know if that's, is it, if you've heard anything regarding that, are they going to be okay for the game on Friday? I've not heard anything. I think they'll be fine. Um, Ethan and Harry both look like it was just probably a little knock, not anything to be too worried about. Um, what'll be interesting to see is if Joe Allen comes back in. He was notably missing from Wales's midfield. Um, he's usually the one who sort of plays in that number six role and operates wonderfully. Um, so whether or not he comes in for, against Iran will be interesting. But no, I think Ethan will definitely play. Um, I'm not entirely sure if Harry Wilson will start again. I'm not sure if Page will maybe Rob Page will change up his tactics, um, or if it will just be a direct switch for Kiefer Moore, Dan James, like it was in the second half. Um, but yeah, I I haven't heard anything about the two of them. Was there anyone, uh, you know, before the World Cup that maybe got that didn't get selected that you maybe thought should have got um in this Welsh 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 team? I I don't think so. I think a lot of fans really wanted, I mean, Ollie Cooper eventually did get called up as like kind of an extra squad member, not really for being in part of the 11 or anything. But with Wales, like the starting 11 or the starting like or the 13 players that would sort of be in and around that starting 11, they've picked themselves for the last few months. So there really weren't much surprises when it came to the squad selection. Um, with the U.S., it's an entirely different story. There are a lot of players in that squad that people were upset about not being selected. Um, but yeah, with Wales, it's pretty straightforward. Gareth Bale's going to start. Aaron Ramsey's going to be in there. And yeah, the starting 11 chooses itself. Fantastic. Um, okay, the game against Iran on Friday. Um, it's going to be quite early in the morning for us living in the U.K. It's going to be at about 10 a.m. But um, 
you know, what's your impressions of Iran now? Uh, obviously, we lost to England 6-2. Um, not the result that we were expecting as well as, as our fans, but what, what, what do you make of that? And how do you think that Wales are going to do against this, um, this Iran team? I was surprised that Iran lost 6-2 to England. I'll be honest, I had Iran sort of being one of the more difficult teams to break down, probably being one like kind of an underdog, I guess, in this in this group B um group. But um yeah, I I think Iran will come out against Wales and have a lot more fire about them and just really want to sort of take back the pride after losing 6-2 to England. Like I do think it's gonna instill in them maybe a little bit more of an exigency. Um that said they have to be able to deal with players like Keith for more and being able to ensure that like those just easy set pieces, things like that, like are not coming back to haunt them. Cause I think once those start to happen, the team starts to unravel. But again, like they, they were able to capitalize on a few good moments. There were chances that came and that did arise. And I think against Wales, there will be more of those chances. England really did play. They had a great game yesterday. Um, I don't think a lot of people expected that from them, especially having gone on. I think it was like a six game not winning streak. So um, it's pretty impressive from England um, and Wales, as everyone saw yesterday, they aren't nearly kind of at the caliber of that just yet. So now I, I think Iran need to make a little bit more of their chances. They need to take more of the, um, the initiative, but as well, like, yeah, they, they really need to watch out for what Wales offer in attack. Yeah, and, and it's, I think it's quite interesting because obviously we've played against Wales a long, long time ago. I think it was back in the, the 70s. Uh, there's not really been any any kind of... There's not, we don't really that, play that many British teams anyway. So it was interesting that we played against England and now we're playing against another British team back-to-back. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. But, you know, what, what kind of predictions will you give this will get for this game in, um, between Iran and Wales? I think it'll be low scoring. I'm not expecting like another like eight goal thriller or anything like that. I think as well, like you saw with the USA and Wales yesterday, like there just weren't a lot of shots on goal. There just wasn't that way. And um, if I'm not mistaken, Iran, when coming into this, they've either won or drawn by pretty small margins as well. Like they're not necessarily like lathered in goals. So I'm expecting probably, probably a one nil win from... I want to say Wales, um, but I know like I'm on this podcast. So I feel like I should probably go with Iran. Um, no, no be honest, be honest. We are, I, we are we're an honest bunch. I, I think I'm going to go with Wales simply because of, it sounds like a cop-out, the Gareth Bale factor. Last night, that man did absolutely nothing all game. He was giving the ball away cheaply. He was trying to do some flicks and tricks instead of just passing it really simply. And in the 80th minute, he sees Zimmerman being in the wrong place in the penalty box and very, very cleverly plays himself in for a penalty. And then the penalty itself was wonderful. It was an absolutely gorgeous penalty. So when you have that factor, Gareth Bale now has come in clutch for Wales so, so often. And this is the kind of tournament where a clutch player just naturally ends up like doing the, doing the dirty work. And yeah, I think with that coming into play, Bale will probably come to the fore on Friday. Megan, I really appreciate your time. Thanks a lot for uh, for coming on and giving us a uh, great insight. Uh, and uh, hopefully we can have you on in the future at some point as well. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, we're back. Uh, we just spoke to Megan Farinder. I appreciate your time. Uh, guys, give us your thoughts then. Obviously, Wales on Friday, uh, they just drew 1-1 with the US. 
uh, goals from Weah uh, uh, and Bale. Um, USA played quite well, and uh, Wales got better as the game went on. Uh, Sahana, what do you think? Uh, I think that the draw was a great result for us. I think it actually, um, if someone had said at the start of the day that we would lose um, to England, but they would tie Wales and the US, I think most of us would have taken that at the start of the day. Um, because that means that we can, we can, we control our own destiny. Um, we can basically get out of the group with even four points. Um, and, uh, as long as of course, neither of those teams beat England, I'm not sure how likely that is. Doesn't look that likely. Um, so in my opinion, today, what happened in terms of our game was the worst thing that could have happened. You know, we conceded a lot of goals. We got kind of humiliated. The players almost had kind of like a breaking point um, in terms of the mental pressure. Um, and I think in a way, it's good that we got it out of the way and it didn't happen in the last game because that would have been a real problem if it this happened in the last game. Um, but now we can put it behind us and say, look, the worst possible scenario happened and we're still in the competition and we still have a pretty good chance to advance if we fix the problems that we saw. So if from a mental perspective, look, you guys are under a lot of pressure. There's people there. They don't want you to succeed. They're only there. Yeah. You know, as Kador said, okay, there's some people who are coming just to disturb you. So you have to accept it. This comes with being a professional football player. And, um, you know, unfortunately in this context uh, that Iran is in, there's going to be some people that are going to try to use, you know, the sporting event to, push whatever they want to push but you have a chance still to produce something and so i think from the mental perspective if they can get kicked up a little bit uh next over the next few days it's going to be in the balance what we saw of wales today um they don't really have the cutting edge in the final third in my opinion i think they lack talent um but they're quite organized. They're quite hardworking in many respects, similar to kind of what we used, we expected of Team Medley before this game. Um, so I think, you know, the game is there for the taking, but we're going to need to be organized. The player selection is going to be need to be different. So, yeah. Ishman, uh, give, give us your, uh, what do we have to do against Wales' uh, thoughts? We have to use my starting lineup. Uh, Go on then. In, in goal, it doesn't matter, to be honest. I think uh, Jose and Robert Zade is is it wasn't. It, they are both okay. Uh, in the back four, uh, Moharami, four three three. Okay, so Moharami and actually Hodge Safi on the wings. In the middle, we should have Kanoni, and I believe that Kanoni can work much better with Majid Hosseini so that he can still be there in the middle. If not, I don't think he, he, he wants to play Khalilzadeh. So I think Kanoni and Hosseini. So that's the back four. The three in the middle, we see if, as, as Atalai, he doesn't have 90 minutes, but he should have at least, I mean, 55, 60 minutes. So I think as Atalai should start in the middle with Odus and actually Vahid Amiri. Uh, because we... Amiri is the player, is the, is the kind of player that 
Kerosh wished all the other players today were. They actually listen to him and do exactly what they're supposed to do and do, do it quite well. And I, I think Amiri can do that on the left side quite well. So those three in the middle and up front, uh, we have Olizade, Osmoon, and Taremi. Uh, that's uh, because Iran needs to win uh, to, to have a chance. I mean, a draw is, they move back to some Agar and Amma, those kind of stuff. So Iran should go for three points against Wales. Uh, and having Osmoon and Taremi from start, having a creative player like Olizade, having another pre- creative player like Odus can do good. Having Canoni uh, back uh, in the starting lineup uh, makes the de- defensive play a bit more calmer, a bit more safer. I would even like to have Khalil Zadeh, but as I said, I don't think he, he, he dares to change that much. So uh, that's like four or five changes already, which is yeah. a lot. You know what's interesting is you mentioned how Safi, I forgot, I should probably mention this. He started every single World Cup game since 2014. Since Nigeria in 2014 up till now, he's played every single game from the start. It shows you that we've not been able to find anyone to replace him. I, you know, he's still he's still there. Uh, so you want him to play his his uh would it be his eighth game. I mean, for for the for the national at the end of the World Cup. Sahan, what do you think? What's your predicted lineup for? What do you want to see? I think exactly what Pejman said. Um, I think yeah, I think it has the right. Basically, I would like to see our most technical lineup on the field. You know, I think that this team lacks this whatever physical approach Kagosh is going for. These people don't have it. You know, Ruzbech Heshmi is six foot four or something. He can't even jump higher than like an inch. So it doesn't matter. And he's giving technically nothing. So why even waste our time? I think that, you know, if we include the most technical players, you know, Wales is a very physical team as well. Um, so we're going to have to be aware of that. I think that's another reason for Khalil Zodeh. I'm not sure if against the Kiefer Moore, if he starts today, it's the best option because, you know, he's quite strong uh, in the air. Um, and Khalid is a little bit undersized. But I think overall, the main thing for the team is, you know, playing with energy, um, playing with uh, more organization. But when we go forward, to be brave, you know, to be brave and to trust in the quality that we have in Godus, Kholizadeh, Osmoon, and Taremi. And I think if we do that, we have a good, okay chance to get the result we need. And, you know, I'm happy that we're playing Wales next and not the U.S. Because I think that if we had played the U.S. next, you know, that's a really difficult game for us from a mental perspective. And it's better that that game's last, I think. Guys, predictions for this game against Wales? Uh, 1-0 Iran. I think so too. I think one zero you're wrong. You know what? Um I do th- I actually do think we'll beat Wales. Uh I think they didn't show enough against the US that's gonna make me feel worried. But I do think that I'm more worried about what Kairos will do. I'm worried that Kairos won't do what Pejman and Sahan want. I feel like he'll still play Pirelli Ganji. I feel like he'll still play Jahan Bash potentially. Maybe moving up to you know, when uh, like against Morocco, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm worried that uh, he might. I think do... played as a center back versus Morocco, but you have to keep in mind he subbed these guys at halftime. You know, he yeah, yanked Kishmi 
Yeah, he did. So, I mean, he, he but, when you sub a player at halftime like that, there's no indication the player's going to start in four days. Yeah, Chase me won't play, but I, I'm, I'm worried that Pirelli Ganji might get another game. Um, I'm just, I'm hoping not anyway, but we'll see. Uh, I, I hope the likes of even Mirad Mohamadi don't get another bit of game time. Another, another person subbed early. And, yeah. you know, I mean, keep in mind, though, those maybe, games in Senegal and Uruguay, you know, may, those were for something. I mean, he didn't yeah. just put those players out there, sure. that combination and tactics for nothing. Sure. And so that might be that he had these two games in mind as uh, what the preparation from those two games would be used for. And, that, and that's what we've heard. You know, that we've heard that he used those games to prepare for the next two matches, which, which you know, again, might be the case. But I, I personally speaking, we need to see someone who does play in these two matches from the start, 90 minutes, if I'm being honest with you, if he's fit, 90 minutes, because there's no doubt that we don't have anyone else like him. That's my opinion. I think we'll, we'll win 1-0 if that happens, but we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see if he, if, he, if he listens to this podcast, maybe he'll he'll make the right decisions. <laughs> but um, guys, I appreciate everyone for uh, listening. Um, hopefully we answered all your questions. We tried to blend everyone's fan questions into just one big podcast uh, we've got a lot of questions so we just added everything into one uh so i appreciate that thanks for sending all your questions in also um we thanks again for coming on the spaces we will do spaces again for the game against wales before and after kickoff uh before and after uh, full time as well uh we will also have articles for the match uh for the USA and Wales match on the website globalzanpodcast.com. Make sure you follow us on social media at Golbazan. Uh subscribe to us on YouTube. Make sure, remember you can watch us with our faces on YouTube now, so uh make sure you're sub to us there and also other podcast platforms. And yeah, guys, thanks a lot for coming on. Uh and Sahan and all the best. Take care. Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray from ESPN and EA Sports. You're listening to Gold Bazan Podcast.